Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. No, my name is uh, Shav, and uh, alongside my wife, we get to pastor a community that's not too far from here, a tribe, and they're all at the beach. Um, so <laughs> we were going to do church at the beach, and no, I'm just kidding. We, uh, we're, we're glad that you guys let us hang out, and you guys have hung with us, and I think it says all the time, or we say it all the time that we're here, or when you guys are with us, this is kind of what it's supposed to be like. I don't know. I don't know if you guys ever feel that way about us. Just nod and say yes. Um, but there's this moment where you realize, like, sometimes church is weird. Yes? Let's just do that. Let's just, like, disarm all the churchiness right now. Church is weird. We're doing weird stuff. We do weird things. And then sometimes you realize the church across the street does just as equally weird stuff or weirder. And then you go out to eat after your weird service and you talk about what other people do at their weird service. Right. And so I love that we get to be weird together. Uh, I love that it doesn't feel as lonely or it doesn't feel as uh, uh, crazy or as alienating when you realize that, oh, you're weird too. I love you. Um, and so I'm glad, I'm glad that we get to do this thing called life in church together. I'm also glad that uh, a couple weeks ago when Ryan asked, hey, hey, are you busy on that Sunday? I know it's Memorial Day weekend. Um, it's also Pentecost Sunday. Um, how do you feel about Pentecost? I'm like, <laughs> excuse me. I am a recovering Pentecostal. Uh, I'm like, uh, I, you picked the right one, bro. I said, I get it. I get it. You're like, hey, let's talk about Pentecost. Let's send the Pentecostal Puerto Rican kid. Let's do that, okay? I'm super stoked because I do think whether we're aware of it from the historical context or whether we're aware of it just simply because we hear of a, a, a part of our you know, uh, family of God that is and practices in this way or has this tradition, I think there's always this feeling about when we say Pentecost or Pentecostal or anything like that, there's immediate uh, growing up. I didn't grow up in church. I tell this to my community all the time. I did not grow up in church, so everything was extra weird. Because you know, like when you're a kid and you're like sitting down in between your parents, uh, like you feel like, I know what kind of church is like. I did not know at all. And so then first church uh, I ever really been a part of or went to, I went to Catholic mass twice. Um, They had donuts at the first one got me to come back the second time, did not have donuts the second time, done with God, done with church. Um, So then it was about 13 years before I stepped into another church, and the first time I stepped into a church, there was a lot of hoop and hollering and everything else. And I was like, what is happening right now? What does all of this mean? What is, uh, why is uh, Catholic Mass, they did not do that. Um, And here we do, and yet, same guy they're talking about, you know? And there's all these different things. And I think even uh, in, in our church history, like sometimes, approaching things like, I think if I say spirit enough times today, I'm supposed to whisper it, spirit. You know, there's this there's this mysticism that comes alongside it. There's also like uh, my mom. I, I don't know. God bless her. If you hear this later, mom, I love you. Um, I don't know if she knows any scripture, um, but she knows God works in mysterious ways and don't question the spirit. I'm like, OK, I said, mommy, spirit. <laughs> what does that even mean to you? Right. And she has no answer. Said, don't question me, son. Um, but 
there's this idea, there's this feeling. And so I, I want to talk about that a bit today, and I might allude to some things, and then I might revert to some good old-fashioned my roots, my tradition, if you guys allow me. So when I say we're going to talk back, we'll talk back a bit, but let's step into the story, let's step into the scripture, and not just my stories, let's hear about it. Um, we're going to read Acts chapter 1, um, we're going to go right to um, you know, the source, we're going to go right into the space, and I'm going to read to you from chapter, or verses 2 to start. It says, just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus left instructions through the Holy Spirit for the apostles he had chosen. After the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period, proving them that with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom. Just to hold on right here in, uh, in the first couple verses, I love that this happens because it reaffirms all the, the cynics in the room who's like, I got to see it. I got to know it. I got to, you know, what does this all mean? Because I think if we're not careful, we just hear Easter story, Jesus bore the cross, Jesus uh, goes to the cross, he raises on the third day, celebration, resurrection, and then everyone just believed and everything went back as planned. No, no, there's a lot of moments that even with the ones closest to him, that Jesus has to appear many times to them alive. Like, guys, I'm really here. Like, can you imagine the trip that they were on when they're like, dude, we were hanging out with Jesus last night. And they had it like, no, no. And there's, it was probably Thomas. So, no, it wasn't Jesus. It was a Jesus lookalike or whatever else. It was that guy with this beard. Um, it's like, it's like it's all these different moments. Beautiful beard, by the way. I had beard and mustache envy in here because I trimmed mine and everyone else's is looking amazing. Um, so we have all those moments that it really affirms our humanity. It affirms the cynic. It affirms the doubting. It says he has to prove to them over and over again with signs that he indeed had been resurrected. Fam, if someone was resurrected, I'm going to be honest, I'm not that cynical. I believe it. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it happened. How'd you do it? Do it again. Like, how does this work? Um, teach me. Uh, because there's all this space. But for them, they needed to have it proven over and over. He taught them through these encounters. Awesome. Verse 4. Jesus instructed them. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift that I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And some Pentecostals said amen and shouted. All right. Every time they were gathered together, amen, they asked Jesus, Lord, is now the time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he answered, the father is the one who sets the fixed dates and times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. You will be my messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea and the distant provinces even to the remotest places on earth, Mount Dora, Florida. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, every time I'm there, I'm like, this is so cool. But who lives here? <laughs> like, like, I'm like, who are the locals? You know, or any, time, any small town has that feel, right? But man, all of this is happening. I think it's beautiful, but I think it's important for us to frame what's happening the right way and understand that the Easter message or the Easter story does not end at an empty tomb. That I think it would better serve ourselves in the community of faith if we allow the space for conversation 
invitation and the story to continue beyond he got up. And don't get me wrong, four and a half weeks ago on Easter or six weeks ago on Easter, I preached he got up. Because that's important. It's central to what we believe. It's central to the truth of all of this, why it even matters. Paul goes as far as saying that, hey, if even Jesus doesn't raise from the dead, then all of our preaching is worthless. Everything we do and we believe and all the signs and the wonder, none of it will mean anything if not for this resurrection. So it is a big deal. But I don't know if you're like me in this way or maybe we have this in common. I feel like our world and even culture nowadays with social media and everything else, and I feel like an old head every time I say that, oh, social media. This, this is what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we get really fixated on the very high moments or the very low moments. And the truth is that just in the natural trajectory of our lives, we spend so much more time in the in-between, you know, in the spaces between the gaps between highs and lows. You're like, no, you don't know. It's been all lows lately, bro. I promise that you will spend more time in your life in the middle and in the in-between than in the high or in the low. Also, for all of you guys, we talked, to, last time I was here, I mentioned and shared how my mind feels like it's just on the low, like the sunken place, like the lowly valley. Like every time you try to find a little hope, I'm just, I'm going to borrow yours because I don't have any for me. And there just feels like when they string together that way, the long ones never last long enough, or the high ones never last long enough, and the low ones cannot be escaped. But I promise that most of our lives is lived in the in-between. I would assume and I believe that the resurrection is one of those high moments. That the resurrection is one of those timeline stories blown up that day, like tomorrow everyone is grilling, even the people who don't grill, they're grilling tomorrow, okay? Um, it's like, you know those moments, it's 12 o'clock on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day timeline where everyone posts at the same time. You know when there's high traffic. Resurrection would have been a high traffic moment. Hey y'all, he got up. He's, he's not even here, right? It's everyone else posted in front of the tomb. Hey, <laughs> like, you see, I'm out here in, in, in front of this tomb and Jesus isn't here. You know, it's all of these moments. It's a high traffic moment. But the truth is at some point you come down. <laughs> And you move on. And I love that we get insight to what the disciples are experiencing because they start to have this moment where they're going, what does all this even mean? What do we do with this stuff? And then Jesus himself is teaching them and instructing them and giving them, uh, giving them the richness and like that good teaching, that hearty meal kind of teaching. Like I'm just assuming like sitting in front of Jesus and hearing him break things down and tell him things and have questions answered and all these other things. And all of that is happening. And yet it says multiple times they had to be. Uh, uh, they had to be convinced that he was actually up. I love that all of this happens because I, th I think it speaks to what we know. You ever see something like wildly unbelievable or experience something that's life altering and have no resolution? Because then you're like, so what do I do now? <laughs> like, you ever, you, you've had that moment. Like, it's silly when you like scope or pan out and think about it. You ever seen yourself at a concert? <laughs> You're having the time of your life. Like, it's just a moment. And then, like, two days later, you're like, who was that person? <laughs> you know, or you ever seen yourself? I don't know. Maybe you're as dramatic as I am. You ever seen yourself, like, really go for it and you have one of your, like, emotional moments? And then you pan out and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is this? I, I was that kid growing up who looked at themselves when they cried. Like, why are you crying? And you're like, 
Why are you working? Yeah, see, all of us recovering. Yeah, I know us. I know us. Hello, Enneagram twos. Um, but it's like, like you have those moments where you just like, man, you see all of this happening and you're experiencing that stuff. And I think that this is what they're left with. That what are we supposed to do with all that? I think oftentimes within our faith, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, oftentimes within our faith, I think define or remember out our seasons and peaks and valleys, these high moments or the lows, but so much in fact is lived out in that middle of like, what do I actually do with this? And the disciples are in the middle of this because the backdrop of Pentecost is that Jesus shocks the world, takes the disciples to brunch, and then just sort of walks away into the clouds, not necessarily giving clear answers but providing a direction and a promise. Finn, this is like the most amazing firsthand account of the thing that thousands of years later we still celebrate and that we still sing about and hold on to and cherish. And those same guys were like, and what do we do? Like, what are we supposed to do with that? Because Jesus, in the most Jesus-y kind of way, shows up, does all this. If you're not familiar I think post-resurrection Jesus is just, he's a vibe, okay? Post-resurrection Jesus, right before the ascension Jesus, a total vibe, okay? He shows up. He's telling Thomas, put your fingers through here. I'm like, what? Like, what does this mean? Like, yeah, you want to see a scar? Touch right here. He's like, what is this? He's having, like, when I say making brunch, my man made breakfast for his disciples on the beach. John chapter 21, go look it up. It's my favorite passage of scripture because Peter does the most Peter-like thing when he doesn't recognize him and goes out. Everyone else is on a boat. Jesus is on the shoreline. Peter sees them and instead of like rowing the boat in, he jumps out of the boats and swims to shore. I'm like, Peter. <laughs> Had to be Peter, right? And there's all of these moments and there's a lot of beautiful stuff that happens in between, but then you get to this point where Jesus is telling them, hey, it's time for y'all to stay in Jerusalem, as I've promised. And, and, and it says that they watched him move up into the clouds, which I love that. Um, like, all right, y'all, I'm out. It's the SpongeBob me. Like, all right, y'all, I'm out. But he goes off into the clouds. Did you levitate? Did you walk on air as if steps? Like, I don't, I need to see it. Like, play it back. Um, but there's all of this stuff that happens, and it feels like the most Jesus-y thing to do is to say, all right, You've seen what you've seen. Now, what are you going to do with it? You've experienced it. No one can take that from you, but what are you going to do with it? And so he gives you not clear answers, but he provides a direction and a promise. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait on the Spirit. Let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 now says, On the day of Pentecost, here we are, was being fulfilled. All the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard a sound of, of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then, all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire and engulfed each, of, er, each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned." 
Now, at, what time, uh, at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard in the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own language? I think sometimes we find along the way, or sometimes what we find along the way surprises us, and we may not have the answer for it, but something about it feels familiar. And I love that this is what's happening on Pentecost. And let's talk about what is familiar. What's familiar is, is that Pentecost is not something new. This was the festival of weeks. This was something that the Jewish tradition, the culture, and the people, this is something they had observed for hundreds of years already. This was their custom. This was what would happen, the backdrop, the, the environment of what or where Pentecost happens and what happens on Pentecost. They'd have been gathering anyway. And I think it's important to frame that because what we understand is that this is happening and some things are familiar. And you're like, what can be familiar about a mighty rushing wind blowing from a heavenly realm and violently shaking a space, right? This would have been familiar. And we'll talk about how in a sec. But also a pillar of fire that branches off and splits off into tongues of fire. This doesn't feel necessarily familiar. It feels like something out of a Tolkien book. It feels like something out of a fantasy movie. It feels like something that we're not recognizing. And oddly enough, there is something wildly uh, familiar about what's happening in the presence of the Spirit of God. And it would have been, of course, the number one is that they were gathering anyway, the festival of weeks. This is the time of year where they would have come together to celebrate the harvest twice a year. This is happening. The Jewish people come together to celebrate the abundance or to celebrate what has been, uh, they've been given in the harvest and to give thanks. So this is why there was people already in Jerusalem coming to worship. If you aren't familiar with the Old Testament, or you aren't familiar with some of the tradition and some of the language there, the flames of fire, or the pillar of fire, and even the violent wind would have been familiar to these people because if you don't remember, how did God show up to Moses in a burning bush? How did the people of Israel move across or move as they migrated to the promised land by, you know, following the clouds by day and the fire by night. There's this synergy. There's this harmony of going, even though this is unfamiliar, there's certain things that still feel like us. And the reason why I say that is because if you'd allow me as the Pentecostal or one of the Pentecostals in the room to say it this way, sometimes we mystify the spirit so much and sometimes it's often very familiar Sometimes we think, oh, if God's Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me a word. And then it has to be this wild thing about you going to Antarctica. And it's like, I feel called to the penguins there. I say, well, maybe. But I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you guys about me so you don't have to tell us about you. I don't know if I get those words. I don't know if I've ever noticed that the Spirit of God's voice sounded any different than mine. Anyone else? Sorry? Does that, does that freak anyone else? Because I know sometimes we're like, and then the voice of God, what do you sound like? Because every time I hear God, it sounds like me. And I'm like, why do you have a lisp? <laughs> like, why are you talking in Spanglish? <laughs> like, why do you talk so fast? And why are there so many jokes? <laughs> like, spirit, be spirit, shav, be shav. Can't be the same, right? And there's this moment where I understand that it's like, man, but why not have something familiar? 
Why would it? Why would it be beyond our realm or our capacity of understanding that maybe the Spirit of God is equal parts practical as it is supernatural? Then maybe the promise of Jesus, because remember, if we even looked throughout Jesus' ministry, what we see Jesus often saying is, it's better for me to go away. Well, why? Because I'm leaving you like the comforter comes, the helper comes, the one that actually dwells within shows up. Because right now, even in all of our brunch meetings, you have to wait for me to speak. But when it becomes an inward thing, you have access to the Spirit of God in here. And I'm like, ooh, scary. <laughs> like, I don't know if he wants to live there. It's kind of messy. And there's half-drink water bottles everywhere. And, you know, like, I don't know if I can create this space. And it's this, it's this living with. And I think about this space because, you know, what if I were to continue to suggest to you that, yeah, I think there's a part of us that you go, man, I can't hear the Spirit. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But what I've learned or what I've come to realize is that there's so many voices in our head. We're not crazy. That's normal. You ever hear certain things in your head and you're like, that sounded like my mom. Because you've heard it your whole life. You ever like heard something in your head and you're like, oh my God, I can see that person when they said. That happens all the time. And I'm just wondering if there's this thing in us that because we approach the spiritual things with, in, in a lot of ways, the, the reverence and, and all the things that it deserves, but also we do it in this way where it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Can't touch that. No, no, no. I'm not in the right place to hear from the Spirit of God. Fam, they were in a crowded room hearing a bunch of languages they never heard, never spoken before, and yet somebody was like, oh yeah, I know what that means. All the other noise, all the other surrounding things, didn't, it, it paled in comparison that when the Spirit of God was moving and present, that there was an understanding. You know, I think, you know, Pentecost is both uh, the filling and the equipping of the Holy Spirit. It's, uh, what if I were to suggest to you is equal parts, like, feels very satisfying that the helper, the person that, you know, that you have access to the presence of God, that's very satisfying and fulfilling, but it's also the equipping. It's the, hey, now let's teach you how to do the work. Because remember what Jesus said. It says, you will be filled by the Spirit and you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit, but you will go and be my messengers. In other words, yeah, the gift is for you, but also don't just use it for yourself. Now let's talk to the rest of the recovering Pentecostals in the room. Because so much of our tradition, if that's what you subscribe to, so much of what maybe you've even seen abused by the things of the Spirit or the works of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit and all those other things that some people go about, all of that stuff is like, man, I think it, a lot of it has to do with us not understanding that although we've been given that gift, that gift is meant for the equipping of the saints and of the body. Amen. See, I think so many of us glory in those gifts, right? Because I've, I've been here. Let me, let, 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 me, let me tell myself a little bit more. I've been to the places where, you know, uh, and I was a, the first service I ever showed up to, and hopefully this is not TMI, but first service post uh, non-donut mass Still mad about that, St. Mary Magdalene, do better. Um, but I, do, I remember the first service I've ever been to, there was this little kid. Not trying to creep any other kids out. There was this little kid, and he knew too much Bible for me. It bothered me. I was like, why does he know so much Bible? <laughs> like, they're doing this, like, some weird trivia thing, like some game night. It was a youth night, you know, weird youth things. Um, and they were doing this, and he knew so much stuff. And I was just like, man. And then, man, then he prayed, and, and he spoke in the language I didn't understand. And I remember everyone else just going, amen. And I looked around, like, what's he saying? 
what is happening right now? Why does this feel the way that it feels? And then how is it that not necessarily that I feel less than him, but I do think he thought he was better than me. I'm um, going to be honest, he was probably seven, but he, he definitely was giving the energy of he thinks he's better than me because he can do that trick, like because he can do that thing. And I remember feeling in those moments like, man, like I don't know if I understand the whole spirit stuff. Take me back to the donuts. Take me back to where it didn't feel like something that I misunderstood, and I understood that there was even this place of like, in certain environments, in certain cultures, spiritual gifts rightfully so, should be desired, that's what the scriptures tell us, and they're given now and all these things. But man, it just felt like they would, those persons felt like they had a hierarchy. Maybe it's just me. But it's like, oh, like, I don't know what I do. Oh, but he's a prophet. Oh, he is? Like, what's that mean? Like, oh, he, I know, I know you don't understand, but it's like, once you get your spiritual language, you would under, What? Why does it feel like why does it feel like there's a hierarchy on these things? And I think when I look back at the genesis of it, it's like, fam, they were satisfied, they were fulfilled. But it was the other people who reaped the benefit of the miracle. It was the ones who couldn't understand before because they weren't speaking the same language. See, I didn't receive the gift of even understanding Jesus until someone who talked and looked like me had to break it down the way that I could understand. See, there was this idea, there was this space for me where I had to know that in order for spiritual things to actually make practical sense, it needed to show up a certain way for me. And I understand that even in that moment, this is what's happening. They're empowered to speak in another language, something I'm sure they marvel that if I spoke a different language right now, I wouldn't know how to act. But I was done so that the other's presence could receive the miracle and the gift in their own language. Pentecost is both about being filled, but it's also about the equipping. It's like, yes, it's good news that you are filled with the helper. But if you have access to that help and not share it with your neighbor, then fam, what are we doing? What are we doing? It feels like when we treat the things in the life and the spirit as something that is a hierarchical setup or something that you achieve and then you just kind of have. And like I, I, I always felt those things. I'm like, but what does this do for the poor? And what does this do for the broken and the least of these? And what does this do for those who feel forgotten or those who will not have the big booming voice from heaven or just like, I don't know what it sounds like. And sometimes we uh, respectfully, it's like, man, when we hyper spiritualize already very spiritual things, we lose our audience. When we hyper-spiritualize, I'm not saying let's take the spirit out of things. I'm saying when we hyper-spiritualize, you've been there, you know it, you've sensed it. When then it's like, man, and that person, I'll be honest, because I've been that person. They go home that, man, I preached a fiery message. But no one understood what we were talking about. Or the person who had need in the room was like, what do I do with that? What do I do? And I think, you know, my, you know, when I'm talking to Ryan, it's like, man, we even joked, and this is a real thing. We looked up online. I, let me see if I can find it. Um, we were, I was like, hey, you know, obviously I joked. I said, what would you like to share? What, what's kind of been the message or the theming? What, what's, uh, you know, the approach? And, you know, he's just such a, let's, I love him. Um, here's the part of our service where, again, I uh, just love your pastor and your friend. Um, I love him because he's like, I trust you, Shah. I trust you. And I said, okay, well, I went to a website <laughs> because I wanted to know. <laughs> and I said, you know, what, what, what does the church say? And it says this, uh, according to the Church of Pentecost, that this year's message for the day of Pentecost is 
the repositioning of the local church to maximize impact to the nations. And I said, okay. And he's like, well, did they have a board meeting or a committee and did we get to vote? And I said, I don't think they invite people like us, Ryan. I said, I don't think we're invited, but no, I don't remember voting, but he's like, how official? I said, oh, they got a website. Like, and so we pulled up the website and I started thinking again. And just that moment, it just brought it back down to what it felt like for me. Sometimes the spirit feels so un attainable and unreachable, when in fact the point of Pentecost is going, oh, it's inside you now. Like now the spirit dwells within you. It's literally Jesus saying the same way that John and I baptized in water, the spirit, now you're like enveloped in the spirit. You become like this is a part of you now. And sometimes we make the spirit so unattainable. We make it feel like in order to live a spiritual life that it has to look this way or a deeply spiritual life, that it has to show up in that way and manifest in works and in spirit. If we minimize our relationship with the Holy Spirit to the acts and the works of the Spirit, we rob ourselves and others of the beauty of a life lived in the Spirit. You see, I'm convinced that many of us in our relationship and our approach to the Holy Spirit, it gets very one-dimensional, works, acts, miracles. And what I hear throughout the, the, the ministry and the life of Jesus on earth is there's this call, this reminder of like, man, it's going to be better for you guys. Because now you have access. Now you're not waiting on someone else. It's crazy. Wait to no longer wait, right? It's like this idea of like, hey, go to Jerusalem and wait on the Spirit. Why? Because then you won't have to wait anymore to access this. You won't have to wait anymore to have those answers. You won't have to wait anymore to, to feel and to sense that power. And fam, can I be honest? There's things in my life that sometimes I'm like, I'm going to pray a little different. Because <laughs> I need to access that power. And as, as much as that could feel like a tradition or as much as that feels like a practice, what's central to it is, is that I have access to it. The promise there, what Jesus says is, man, he doesn't give a clear answer. He gives a direction, go to Jerusalem. And then the promise, the Holy Spirit. That's my life. You ever feel like, I don't know what to do next. Stop asking for the specifics. And I, is there a direction, Jesus? Tune in. To the Spirit of God in you that says, is there a direction you're pointing me towards? And then, what's the promise when we get there? The promise is, is that you have that, you know what, I always, uh, I always loved my, my pastor and his, uh, his grandfather saying, he's like, it's the unction. And I'm like, ooh, the unction. And I'm like, what's the unction? And I would ask him, because, you know, his, um, I grew up in a certain kind of church. Y'all can probably hear it in my voice. But I'm like, unk, well, I'm like, what's the, what's the unction? What's that mean? And he's like, man, you feel it in the pit of your belly. I'm like, where the pit of my belly at? <laughs> like, is that the belly button or is that the top? <laughs> like, where? He's like, no, the bottom. I'm like, oh, okay. And like, well, what's it feel like? He's like, you just know when you know. I'm like, indigestion? Like, nausea? <laughs> like, what's it feel like? Like, what, what's the feeling, right? Because I, I, I want to know what it feels like in my body. And he said, no, no, no. It feels like you know something's there and you're so sure. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, and then you're not anymore. And I'm like, so what's the point? He goes, that is the point. And I'm like, nah, don't Jedi me. Tell me what and how to hear the spirit. He's like, get into your spirit guts. And I'm like, oh, 
I don't know what that means. I'm gonna be honest. Like I, I got, I got upset stomach. Like, <laughs> like, like what you mean? He said, No, you gotta get into your spirit guts. And I'll be honest, fam. That might sound really weird to some of you guys. Well, there's moments when I have to quiet the noise in my head, where when I feel like I, I get into my. Some of you guys who are in therapy, you know, or some of you guys who do breathing or mindfulness, you know what it feels like when you're like, where did I just go? You know that feeling? Like sometimes it feels like that for me. I'm like, oh, there it is. This feels like comfort. And then I think about what Jesus promised us he would be. The Holy Spirit would come as a comforter. I said, what? The guy just feels like I'm being enveloped and safe. Yeah, but all this noise, there's a pillar of fire in the room. Like all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did you feel what was happening inside of you? before you got obsessed with what was going on all around us. I loved it in a few chapters or a few verses later, when Peter preaches on Pentecost, I think it's rich. I think it's beautiful that it's Peter. Because I'm like, six weeks ago, you ain't believed nothing. <laughs> six weeks ago, you're out here teaching and worship team, y'all can start coming up. Like six weeks ago, you guys were telling us. Peter has that moment where he denies him. Peter has that moment where he runs away and he, 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 he doesn't, he's unsure of what it all means. But man, he's so willing. And I just wonder if some of us, when it comes to this relationship with the Holy Spirit, if many of our relationships with the Holy Spirit feel dry or feel foreign to us, is because we're thinking we have to understand everything. Peter, I don't think, understood nothing. Peter is moments removed from a mighty rushing wind, from, uh, from tongues of fire, a pillar of fire in the room. He's weeks removed from denying Jesus. He's days removed from Jesus making them brunch on the beach and still not understanding what needs to happen. And again, read John chapter 21. He talks and he's like, why, why is this? And he gets questioned. And he's like, Peter, do you love me? He's like, yeah, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. You know that I love you. And I think it's beautiful that it's Peter just days later who's going, we can't get caught up in the move of the Spirit here. All these people need to receive the gift too. He immediately turns what was a gift given to him into how does this gift serve the body. Fam, on Pentecost, would you or may I suggest to you, that this relationship and life lived in the spirit, that there are many others who are waiting for us to show up, waiting for us to not keep this gift to ourselves, but to freely give it, to become the messengers to the uttermost parts, even the most remote parts of the earth, that the spirit of God is a gift given to us, not only to satisfy and fulfill you, but to equip and to grow the body. Let me pray, we'll have some worship, and uh, we'll close up. Father, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the Spirit of God. I'm, thank you. I'm thankful for the unction. I'm thankful for uh, the indwelling, the place, the, the habitation, the, the, the home that your Spirit has made in us. Father, I pray in the mighty name of your son Jesus that we would become the kind of people who wouldn't, uh, who wouldn't quench that desire or that relationship or the building of that relationship with your Holy Spirit. But Father, that you would help us to hear you, to quiet the noise, to embrace what may feel familiar, 
but also to stand strong in the face of what still feels like a mystery. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and be our help and comforter, our guide, our revealer? Would you make Jesus more clear and known to us? Would you make Jesus more real and evident and present and close and proximity and indeed and in the teaching and let the word come alive in us, Holy Spirit? Would you do that that Jesus has promised and that that you are fulfilling in us? Would you come and equip us to be your messengers, to deliver your message, to be the kind of people who are the hands and feet empowered and held and sustained by your spirit? Father, would you awaken in us, and if I can pray so boldly, would you awaken in us a desire, a hunger, and a thirst for the Spirit of God. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal Jesus to us in ways that we've never seen him. Father, all the spaces that we run into where there's confusion or misunderstanding or where we can't see clearly, would your Spirit reveal to us Jesus, his way, his promise, his nature, his person, Holy Spirit, make Jesus plain and clear to us. Holy Spirit, come, rest, and be in our midst. And Father, as we do that, as we yield and surrender ourselves to this, Father, would you help us to continue to build that relationship, to continue to build and, and grow in this promise and in this way. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your spirit. Come and rest on us. Father, as we move from this place to the next, rest on us. Father, as we find ourselves in the middle between two spaces, come and rest on us. We find ourselves at our mountaintop, come and rest on us. When we feel closer to the valley and our lows, come and rest on us. In our coming and our going, come and rest on us. Father, I bless this family, bless your beloved. May you chase them down with mercy, meet them at every door with your kindness, and would love meet them in every part of their lives. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.